In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what His body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm Director of Ministry Relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, you have heard us say time and time and time again on this program that gospel saturation in the D.C. metro region is a passion for WAVA Radio and One Heart D.C. And that's what we want to talk about today. On today's show, we are speaking with a man who is doing just that, saturating the D.C. area with the gospel through, guess what? Street evangelism, and I've heard this guy, and disciple-making. So let's talk about it. And, of course, here to get us started, my good buddy, introduce our guest, my good friend, co-host, Pastor Brian Bales. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, good to be you. seen as well. Yeah, man. Uh, we Thanks. have this running joke for anyone who's heard uh, the show before where we're always giving each other a hard time. There's a couple things <laughs> that always come up. One is, is about uh, the growing, olding age of my partner in crime here, but also that we both have a face for radio. Amen. Right? And, Amen. Uh, Amen. and there are times, Dennis, where it becomes more obvious that I have a face for radio. And today is one of those times as we are excited to have in studio the best-looking man in a bow tie. I Let wish you could see you him if you, were, if you weren't you, just listening to this on yeah. WAVA or the yeah. podcast. Yeah. You could see him. We'll make sure we get a picture up of him. So, um, yeah. Just envision. Just envision. This beautiful face with the both. Man, that's right. Well, so I've kind of let in a little bit. So let me tell you the person who's actually behind the bow tie. By the way, that'd be a whole nother like blog or a podcast you could do behind the bow tie. But that's for a different time. Right, exactly. We have in studio today Jorge Pena. He is the president and founder of DC for Jesus. DC for Jesus is an organization whose primary focus is evangelizing the gospel and encouraging others to do the very same thing. He has a a history of working with organic, simple, duplicatable, what we'll call house churches, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, here in the U.S. and around the globe. He is skilled in disciple-making, strategic planning, team-building, and public speaking. He has a bachelor's degree focused in theology from Liberty University, and as I mentioned before, not his most powerful credential, but you look really good in a bow tie. And I tell you that every time I see you, Jorge, so yes, brother. Uh, thanks for coming, and thanks for being in studio with us today. Oh, thank you, brother. I'm excited to be here, and also happy to see you as well. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll keep that up, still excited and happy to see me when it's all done, but <laughs> I-, I am, though, wanting to dig in today and talk a little about dc for jesus and you can find out more about that at http or www.dcforjesus.org but talk about that in your network of home churches today on good news for the city so let's just kind of jump in there and start right there with dc for jesus Uh, for those people who may be hearing this term and not familiar with or not knowing what it is help explain to them what exactly dc for jesus is well, we are a network of uh, churches that seek to glorify God here in the D.C. metro area. And our focus is making disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. uh, making disciples of all peoples here, people's groups here in the D.C. area. And we do that by, you know, prayer, evangelism, uh, disciple making, and also 
just going out into different places mm -hmm. in the marketplace to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, as an evangelist, and I know that's your heart, and evangelist is someone who goes out into the world and very proactively, through words and through deeds, shares the truth about the good news, the gospel. Absolutely. And as we do that, uh, I want to just talk to you about like a moment, like you look in scripture and, and you look into, uh, especially in the New Testament for people like Peter, who was evangelist and certainly like Paul, Correct. who was an evangelist. Yeah. I mean, if you go uh, to the book of Acts and you see chapter nine, I believe there's this moment where Paul has this interaction uh, on the road to Damascus. And it was the catalyzing moment for his evangelism movement, so to speak, getting started. I don't necessarily know that you had a moment where you're hit by a blinding light to start right. DC for Jesus. But tell us a little bit about what it was that that sort of catalyzing moment for you, how DC for Jesus got started. Yeah, so basically it all got started when I became a Christian. I was born and raised in a Christian home uh, back in Mexico, came to the U.S. on a baseball basketball scholarship, mm -hmm. and I walked away from everything that my parents taught me. I, I lived a life of sin okay. and got involved in drug trafficking, mm -hmm. and then Jesus rescued me out of that, and I gave my life to Jesus, and that started that passion mm -hmm. uh, that you just talked about. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I wanted to tell people what God did for me, and that's when we all started. I started knocking on the doors of churches, and I started going out uh, telling others about Jesus, and that's that was the, the moment where the turning point when I started telling others about Jesus. And later on, it started uh, the organization DC for Jesus, and people started joining. Yeah. And, and that's the amazing thing, too, about no matter what our background is, no matter how difficult, challenging, bad the situation, whether we've done it to ourselves by right. making poor choices or life and culture and society has has put on an extra load onto us, Correct. that the gospel is big enough to overcome all of that, that, that sort of good news. And that's really sort of the mandate about this idea of evangelizing, sharing the gospel. Correct. I know that I had a conversation once with someone about this idea of sharing the gospel, and they said something like this, well, that's not my spiritual gift. Wow. Right? And, yeah. and I understood where they were coming from, because of they course. looked at the Bible, and they see that there is a spiritual gift of evangelization. Correct. But wrongly so, someone looked at this and said, well, if I don't have the gift, well, maybe right. I don't have to do that. <laughs> Great. Right. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how this isn't just about whether or not you have a gifting. The biblical mandate, so to speak, for believers to be people who are going out and evangelizing, sharing their faith in right. good and winsome ways in the gospel to then uh, have the result of making disciples. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the best way that I can describe that is, you know, we believe that God is our heavenly father or daddy, so mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah. And I have three children, right? And uh, I tell my children, uh, you know, if I tell my son, son, I need you to sit here for a while, so please go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. And if my son doesn't do that, then, you know, it frustrates me. At times it makes me upset. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I tell you, sometimes I'm sad that he's not obeying me. So I'm asking him to do something, and I'm expecting him to do that, as, uh, to do what I'm asking him to do. So in the Bible, we see that God himself is telling us, you know, you need to go and share this good news. Mm -hmm. You need to go and tell others. You need to go and preach the gospel to every creature. So I think God expects us to obey what he's asking us to do. 
And unfortunately, when we disobey him, what happens is we frustrate God's plans. Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm asking, for instance, in the analogy of my son, I'm asking him to sit there for a reason. And if he doesn't do that, then he's, he doesn't know what I have planned for him. So at times he frustrates that plan. So, yes, God calls us to yeah. obey him in that way. And for some of the people, they were like, well, I'm not sure, Dennis, where I know where God would be asking me to do that. And that comes from what we call in uh, the church world or the, the Bible world, so to speak, the Great Commission, Matthew Amen. chapter 28. Right. It says to go in verse 19 and 20. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, evangelize, Amen. and then it says to make disciples. Correct. And not to sound like an egghead or not, that word go isn't a suggestion. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, right? Absolutely. It, it is actually, if you look it up, it's well, an imperative. Well, if you want to go, go ahead. No. Right. Right. No, no, it's, it's an imperative. It, it's <laughs> yes. a, that, yeah. But an imperative is just a fancy word for saying it's a command. Correct. Right? And yeah. he doesn't command us to do it because he wants to make us uncomfortable. He doesn't command us to do it because he wants to put us in situations where we are persecuted. He commands us to do it because... The gospel is exactly what we say it is. Right. It is good news. Absolutely. It is good news. Absolutely. But when we talk about that as a mandate, I think there's an aspect of the Great Commission that we look at, going to all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them. And there's another part in verse 19 and 20 where it says, make disciples. Yes. And um, the idea of making a disciple at its most simple form is this idea of make people who follow another person. Right. Um, and, and so I think a lot of people who maybe have heard this show before or have done some research of their own in the Bible or whatever it might be, they, they may be say, oh, this is what it means oh, to be a disciple. Can you dive in a little bit as we're having this discussion today a little bit farther? What does it mean to actually make disciples? Right. So in my opinion, in the Christian world, we have reduced disciple making to a program uh, with vari- uh, with, yeah. with lessons, with manuals, okay. with steps that people need to follow. But uh, I don't believe that's the way Jesus did it. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't, you know, say, hey, look, this is the manual that we're going to read and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Of course, we got the Bible as the manual, but it goes beyond just reading Bible. Mm-hmm. It's actually living life with people. Yes. Yeah, so I, yes. I want to ask you a question there because I think I'm following Great you. Point. What I think I hear you saying is, is that we have accidentally taken good things like structure and manuals and programs. Correct. And we have assumed that those structures and manuals or programs are discipleship when, in fact, they're not really discipleship. They're tools to help Correct. discipleship happen. Absolutely. It's just a vehicle. Yeah. OK. Uh, I love that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, Jesus, uh, the way I see him making disciples, he he told him, hey, look, follow me mm-hmm. and I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. So that's what we need to do with people. We need to say, look, come in. Show, let me show you. Follow me and I'll show you. And that's exactly what he did. And as the disciples follow him, they saw him praying for people and healing them. Mm-hmm. They saw him feeding the poor. They saw him, you know, uh, preaching to the masses and they saw him uh, perform miracles. So again, is this uh, what I see is this living life uh, with people. And it is yes. messy. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, Dennis, I mean, you and I, we've said this back and forth from time to time. The Christian life is messy. It is messy. Uh, and, and discipleship yeah. is messy. And most of us don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what my goal for today is? 
my goal is to be a messy day. Right? <laughs> of right? course not. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> you're talking to me, man. In, so, this, yeah. in this Washington D.C. metro area, we yeah. have a problem with wanting everything to fit in a oh, box yeah. inside of our control. And and I think a lot of times that is that aversion, so to speak, for discipleship because it can't be programmatically said this is exactly how it's going to work. Yes. And sometimes yes. it does get yes. messy. And in fact, yep. on Good News for the City through Wave and One Heart D.C., we've had stories of people who talk about God has walked them through the mess. Absolutely. Right. And, and those are. Great Great stories. Now, for the for the organization DC for Jesus, right? Um, talk about what it looks like when when you gather together a group of people to evangelize. What, what does that look like typically? Well, um, you know, one of the things that we see in the Bible is uh, Jesus waking up in the morning and praying. Right, so it all starts with prayer. Mm-hmm. And God said, you know, my house uh, shall be a house of prayer. My temple shall be a house of prayer. So it all starts there. Just Mm -hmm. seeking God together as a community or individuals uh, in prayer and asking God for his guidance, for his direction, for his instructions, for his motivation and filling us up. So it all starts there. When we go out, we pray, we seek God, and then we go on to different things like talking to people, Mm -hmm. praying for them and providing, uh, satisfying any needs that might be needed in the community. And, you know, that's the beginning of what it could, uh, what it does the beginning of the you know evangelizing or disciple making mm-hmm. aspect. Could I could I just step in for a minute and ask sure. you, Jorge? How generally speaking, sure. and I know you can't probably make a blanket statement, but right. generally speaking, how do folks receive you? How are you received out there? Right. Yeah, because there are a wide range of responses. Absolutely. Even though we know it's good news. Sure. That, right. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't mean that everyone receives it that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I tell you this, uh, being. Uh, out there for you know since 2014 so about five years or Mm -hmm. so and i have seen the good the bad and the ugly Mm -hmm. and that's the three typical responses that we get the good people receive the good news people cry people get delivered people get just touched by the by the message right by the holy spirit and we've seen so many great things even miracles yeah you know but uh, so that's the good the good right and the bad and the ugly you know people don't like what we say and you know they they say things that you know they don't they are nasty like they sure. come yeah. back at you and yeah. yell yeah, at absolutely. you and yeah. yeah and then we also seen you know people calling the cops on us online oh, saying wow. oh okay. look you're harassing people you're mm-hmm. shoving your religion upon our throat you should not be doing that and things like that but we try to respond in in love mm-hmm. sure now i must sure. confess i have not always responded <laughs> sure. the best way that i should and i uh, love that honesty right of because course. so think, you mean you're human yeah <laughs> i think one yeah. of the challenges that the enemy tries to place in the minds of believers is is that if you go out and you share the good news um that all you're going to get is the bad and the ugly Right. Uh, and that begins yes. to yes. be something that, that makes us somewhat fearful. But we go into Scripture, and Jesus says some hard things. He says, expect people to treat you like they treated me. Correct. And when we look at the whole of the Gospels, we see that in many times people receive Jesus in a very good manner. And right. then, of course, there was the bad. And the ugly. And then there was the <laughs> ugly, right? And what's really interesting, yeah. especially sometimes about the ugly, they were the people who were considered to be religious people, right? Right. And I think that points out this idea that in that context, that those people followed a program, Correct. right? And, and Jesus didn't fit in their program. And one of the things that you mentioned just earlier on before we jump to house churches is that I just loved is that you started everything with prayer. Uh, and if there Amen. is a program, it, that's the program. Absolutely. You start there. And then God may say, do the same things you've done every day. And God may say, I got something different for you. Exactly. Uh, and if there's people listening today and encouraging, that is the very first step in this idea of evangelization. Start with prayer. Seek God. Say, God, what would you have us to do? 
And also what I would like to, one comment that I would like to make about that is that God is not going to make you do uh, something that he has not equipped you to do. Mm, that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's not, he knows who he's calling. Of course. Right. It, it's, it's kind of funny sometimes that uh, in my life, and I'm sure not in anyone else's life, but in my life, like <laughs> sometimes God calls me to do something and I'm like, are you sure you know who you're asking? You right. know? And God's kind of like, well, I made you. I, I know everything about you. Absolutely. If I'm calling you, I have equipped you or will equip you. And, and there yes. is this sort of danger, I think, in the lives of believers that we have this idea that we have to be fully ready for every scenario before no. we share our faith. And there really is no such idea as fully ready. There's listening to God and obeying, and he equips us along the way. Because I imagine you're more equipped today, five years into it, than you were five years ago, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yes. And that's one question that people ask me often. You know, what preparation have you received and so on and so forth? And I tell them, look, I've been doing this for quite some time. And even now when I get out there on the streets or when I go in and care, uh, talk to people at the mall or at the, in the marketplace, I still get nervous. I sure. Sti- I, st- I still get, you know, a little bit of afraid. Yeah. So I, that don't, I don't think that is going to go away. And, and actually, I think that's a good thing because it helps me to go back to Jesus and depend on Jesus and ask him, Lord, help me with this mm-hmm. because I, I, I'm, really, I'm really afraid or I'm really nervous. Yeah. You know, Jorge, my, my preaching professor in seminary said, if you ever stop getting nervous mm. or a little fearful, wow. get out. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you're too dependent on Dennis oh. and not enough on the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So DC for Jesus, we've talked about that and we do encourage people to go to dcforjesus.org. But there's another thing at the beginning that we kind of talked about that uh, is a passion of yours, this idea uh, of a home church. Now, we always right. like to kind of define the term. It right. doesn't necessarily mean it meets in a home, but certainly it's the idea that it can meet in a home. It's Correct. maybe not in this typical idea that a lot of people may be familiar with, with a more Americanized, I'll use that term, traditional view of church that you gather right. together just on Sundays, you come for a couple services, maybe you have some Sunday school, you have some music, you have some teaching from the Word. Uh, and and uh, as we look at that, how were you first introduced to this idea, and was it something already that was on your radar? Well, the answer is it was not on the radar, uh, but I was first introduced to the idea, of course, in the Bible. We see it in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. the, the church that met at this person's home. And yeah, they didn't have buildings home. back then, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I first learned, quote unquote, the concept. But um, where this concept, I saw it uh, played out was when I was a child mm-hmm. uh, back in Mexico, my family, my grandparents had a, had a home. Uh, a church they met at their home. Yeah. And what I saw there is that consistently there were people that were being sent out to go and reach other communities. It was amazing. I, I saw it. I will see how they will lay hands on them. People will come and they will get get ready to go and be sent out to mm-hmm. other communities. And and if if you do a little bit of a study on that, that's how communities, that's how even countries have been evangelized Starting with house churches, yeah. even mega churches that we have here in the United States of America started with a home meeting. Yeah, yeah. In fact, almost all of them did, right? There, there are probably one or two exceptions that I can think of of really large churches that started with a building and started right. with several hundred people or whatever yes. it might be. But but almost all of them started in, in a home. And I think that becomes a, a paradigm that people think about who may be uh, Christian fluent or gospel fluent about how church should work. And, and some of them may not really get how home church, so to speak, works from an operational standpoint. Fill them in a little bit. How does that, how does that work? Well, look, it looks completely different than what we're used to. You know, we're used to two, three songs, then a preaching, and then um, 
collecting offering and mm-hmm. announcements and sure. closing prayer. Yeah. Uh, home church is more, you know, family friendly. You mm-hmm. come together, you eat a meal together, you talk about different things that are going on in your life. You share the things that God is teaching you. And yes, we open the word and we study together. You know, we, we, uh, there's a, a conversation, a dialogue mm-hmm. of what's going on. What is the scripture saying? How can we apply this to our life? And then together we go and, you know, draw, quote unquote, assignments out of the word of God. What is it that we need to obey? So some of those things are the things that happen when we gather, just like what it says in First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. that when the people gather, everyone had a song, everyone had an interpretation, mm-hmm. a revelation, and, and uh you know, a word uh, from, from God. And it seems another thing that you're highlighting here is going back to what we talked about before, that discipleship isn't a program. Correct. It is a tool for discipleship. And the way that we do church isn't discipleship. It is a tool. And so for some people, Absolutely. they've started to worship the manner of how church is executed on Sunday through some of the ways well, that you talked true. about. Yes. Uh, right. And instead, yes. by going through the home church model, it, it challenges that a little bit. Now, of course, we know we're human beings. We could wind up worshiping a home church model, too. Correct. But it brings that again, that it's about the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus in the life of people, not necessarily about the way that we have programmed things out. Let's not become dependent on those. Absolutely. So can I make yeah. one quick comment about sure. that? Um, one thing that I tell people often is that I'm not about house church. You know why? Because of what you just said. Yeah. Uh, because I could fall into that same uh, mistake. Of, sure. Okay, now I do house church. But what I tell people that I what, what I'm really about is about disciple making. Mm. Because that's what Jesus calls to do. He said, go ye and make disciples. Not plant house churches, not plant churches. And disciples make churches, churches make disciples. Yeah, I love that. Because it's being obedient to the call of God in your life and the place that you are in life. Right. That God gets some point for someone who's in it, one particular church environment call them to a different church environment not because yes. of the environment but for yes. the purpose of making disciples absolutely and and vice versa in, in that way well one of the things we do a lot here especially as we kind of find our way uh, get near the end of our time together is we like to ask uh, the people that come in studio if, if they would sort of encourage the people who are listening by sharing a story sure. of something that maybe happened either through dc for jesus a health church both or whatever so they can give god some glory but also be challenged in their own life absolutely what one story that i could share with you is uh, 19-year-old uh, sister in Christ that came to our gatherings, and because she was emerged in this disciple-making culture, five five uh, months after she was hanging out with us, she baptized her first disciple. Oh, that is amazing. Uh, how cool is that? Yeah. Cool. And you Very can only cool. imagine how she felt after, you know, spending time with this lady that she shared the gospel with. Then she herself baptize the lady mm. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a pool. Yeah. So that's just one example. And, you know, 82-year-old brother in Christ that comes to our gatherings, you know, he can't drive much. Uh-huh. Uh, so he goes around in our community. He knocks on doors. He talks to the people in the community. That guy is more known, is the, well, is the most well-known guy in the community. I mean, everybody knows this brother. Yeah, that's exciting. You know, I heard a, someone once say, Dennis, that how do you know when you've made a disciple? And their really simplistic answer, they said, was when that person starts making other disciples. That's Amen. right. So this this, uh, this lady, yeah. five yeah, months yeah, yeah. in, right? And there are many people who've had a relationship with Jesus Christ, 15, 50 years maybe, who, who really aren't making disciples yet. And that that's a great challenge. Absolutely. Uh, Jorge, thanks for coming in studio. Thanks for encouraging my heart today. And I hope if you've been listening, you've been encouraged as well uh, to understand that it's not a calling just to come to know Jesus Christ. It's also a calling to go out and to evangelize and to make disciples. 
we get to see uh, Brian. We get to see Jorge a lot. Yeah, we do. I get to see him a lot. But Behind it's the, first the bow time. tie. That needs Amen. to be something Amen. he does. <laughs> but it's the first time we've had him in studio. Thank you so much, my brother. God oh, bless you. You're welcome, brother. You know, when, you. whenever I see you, uh, and, and ladies and gentlemen, my brother Jorge prayed for me this morning, and yeah. I always feel comforted by you and by the power of God through you. So thank you for allowing God to use you. Uh, so I always get a little bit challenged, though, when I see you like, man, am I doing enough? Mm-hmm. Am I really doing enough? Yeah. Anyway, if you guys want to get in touch with Jorge, hey, you heard it, dcforjesus.org. That's dcforjesus.org. If you want to hear it again, go to goodnewsforthecity.com, goodnewsforthecity.com. You can listen again or wava.com, keyword good news. Look under our podcasting page or if you really want to talk to a human being, You can call me here at WAVA 703-807-2266. Thank you, folks, for listening. God bless you all. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart D.C. This is a partnership movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.